Hi, I'm Joseph Miller, a policy analyst at the Show Me Institute. Recently, there's been a lot of discussion about ride-sharing coming to St. Louis and how safe it is or safe it isn't. And I'm here to talk with Ed Domain about the taxi companies that currently exist in St. Louis. Ed is a local tech entrepreneur. He was awarded an Arch Grant in 2012, and he's a veteran. But today, we're going to be talking to him not about his technology startups, but about his unfortunate run-ins with taxi companies in St. Louis and the Metropolitan Taxi Cab Commission. So, Ed, the first thing I want to ask is, what brought you to St. Louis, and what are your plans in the future? Sure. I am an entrepreneur. Um, I'm from Chicago. I had a brief stint out in California, San Francisco. The economy dropped out in 2008. I came back to Chicago, ended up uh, winning an Arch Grant, which brought me to St. Louis in 2012. And so I've been here since then. And it is... Um, uh, my business was going well, but as you know, I, I had an accident, which is kind of what brought us here today. And uh, in the future, I'm now figuring out what comes next because I had a deal in hand from a venture capitalist to fund my company, but I landed back in the hospital three times in April and May, uh, culminating in another surgery related to my accident from two years ago. And venture capitalists are notoriously scared of uh, CEOs that land in the hospital a lot, which I understood. It's not that I have heart disease, I just got to fix the, uh, the wiring inside. And so I think we've got that nailed down. So we'll see what comes next. I'm working on that now. Just about the accident. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about what happened that day? Certainly. 2013? It was May 4th, 2013. I was living downtown at Washington and 7th. And my friend, another entrepreneur, Matt Minetti, who's now with um, the sixth, or excuse me, the executive director of Global Hack, he was having a barbecue for Cinco de Mayo in the Cherokee neighborhood. So I jumped into a cab with two of my friends that came to visit, Danielle and Leah. And the cab driver was texting uh, or looking up at the address, but he was playing with his phone. Blew through a red light at Gravoy and Russell. Um, we got hit by a van, and I wound up in the hospital for six months. Um, near death for about a month. It was uh, touch and go. I almost lost my right arm, which is why I was back in the hospital again in April and May. And, um, but happy to say I'm still here. <laughs> I have a hip made out of metal. Um, the cab was not insured. Um, it has been uh, a nightmare physically and financially, but I'm alive, so I'll take that. The cab, which I hear is a Harris cab, it had, That's it correct. had no insurance. Um, correct. How is that possible given the fact that there are rules that say that cabs have to have insurance? So I've become something of a legal scholar on the Metro Taxi Cab Commission. Um, I could talk at great length about this, but what it boils down to is Harris Cab tried to get insurance on the cab. They initially were issued uh, apparently a certificate saying they had insurance. Immediately after that, the insurance company looked at their records and said, hey, Harris Cab, you haven't paid us on all these other policies. This cab is not insured. Harris Cab chose not to make their payment uh, to get this policy and their other policies current and kept this cab on the road knowing full well the insurance was not covered. They probably thought, we'll catch up with it sooner or later. Unfortunately for them, I was in an accident, and what came out in court was there was no insurance on the cab. The Taxi Cab Commission allowed these cabs to operate without any insurance at all? Well, this is another interesting thing. The, the Taxi Cab Commission says that they are co-listed uh, on insurance, so that if an, an, a, um, a taxi cab's insurance lapses, the MTC is notified, so then they can go after the cab company to ensure the public safety and make sure they have insurance. That doesn't happen. My cab was, the MTC was never notified. Uh, we have court documents showing three months after my accident, Harris Cab, and I have it, and I'm happy to share it with anybody who wants to see it, applied for insurance on another cab. It did not list the MTC. So there's another cab that is not being um, 
uh, insured and the MTC had no knowledge of it. So the MTC says they want to keep Uber, I'm sure you want to ask about that later, uh, ride sharing out of St. Louis due to regulatory concerns and safety issues, but they can't even regulate the cabs that they're supposed to regulate now. How can they be trusted to regulate um, uh, something else, ride sharing? That's a great point. So is there any way of knowing whether or not the cabs in St. Louis right now are all insured? Or no, they be absolutely not. Yeah, you have no idea when you get into a cab. Um, after my experience, when I was uh, back in Chicago over the last year, I asked a cab driver, and when you're sitting in the back of a cab, uh, this is in Chicago, they do this, when you look out the side window, and then there's that little triangle window, you know, at the back, they have little stickers in all the cabs in Chicago, and that means that their insurance is current, and they get checked all the time. In St. Louis, they check twice a year. Now, the MTC attorney had said previously on CBS radio, I think, that they check once a year. Now he's saying twice a year. But the fact remains, even if they check twice a year, you have no idea. It could be two days after the last check, they add a new cab and they haven't insured it. How do you know? And the other thing with that is technology companies don't seem to have an issue with this. The Ubers and the Lyfts of the world add thousands of drivers around the world and the second they come onto the payroll, they are verified to have insurance and Uber, as an example, puts a million dollar policy in place. So Harris Cab wasn't able to help you at all? Not one, they are, not only have they not paid any damages or even fines or penalties to me, to the MTC, to anybody, they have about a half million dollars in outstanding uh, tax liens and civil judgments where they have hurt other passengers in their cabs and they have not paid them either. Not one penny in damages has been paid by Harris Cab. They're in violation of all the Metro Taxi Commission's rules and the Metro Taxi Commission has refused to shut them down, to enforce their own rules. I, I don't understand it. Sorry, I get pretty angry about it, but I don't understand how this is possible. I don't understand when it's very clear and I have all the documentation and it's come out in court. Harris Cab has said in court, we are insolvent. Their first attorney on the case, when my case was working its way through the system, quit because he wasn't paid. So the next attorney came and the next attorney said, they're insolvent when you win the case, you're, meaning me, he told my attorney, uh, they will declare bankruptcy. They have no money and your client will be one creditor of many that Harris Cab owes money to. Yet the Metro Taxi Commission has done nothing. And all the press that has come out lately around ride sharing, I have not seen one statement from them about what they're going to do about Harris Cab. So I don't trust the Metro Taxi Commission to be able to protect the public. And I, I think the public is taking a great risk if they get into a cab. So Harris Cab continues to operate? Right now, I saw a couple cabs on my way uh, over here today for this interview. It's, it's shocking. If this was the business world where I come from, I would have been fired if I was running the Metro Taxi Commission. Uh, a CEO would be removed by the board of directors. You wouldn't allow someone to be so egregiously bad and incompetent at their job to remain in that position. Uh, maybe if they took steps to remedy the situation, to realize what had happened to me and say this is a shame what happened, but instead they've done the opposite and sent their attorneys and PR people onto TV and lie about things until I am forced to dig up the documents from my attorney and show them that no, this is true, this is true, this is true. So after you got in the accident and Harris didn't have insurance and you tried to go to the Taxi Cab Commission, can you, can you walk us through just exactly what their response was? There was no response, so it's very easy. Uh, my, uh, they have been saying in public, in the media, that I waited two years to notify the Metro Taxi Commission of my accident. That's incorrect. I have the letter that my attorney sent to the Metro Taxi Commission September 26th of 2013, 
four months after my accident, I was still hospitalized, and um, they never replied. They never replied throughout the whole legal process over the two years that I tried to um, get my um, get my medical bills paid for. You know, press my claim against Harris Cab. Uh, after it was all said and done, I sent a letter to every um, board commissioner. They did not reply, with the exception of Chris Summers. Um, Ron Klein got the letter from my attorney. Like they, they just have done nothing. So when I finally. Um, was sitting at home. My mom and my nephew were visiting for the 4th of July weekend. I uh, got a text from Chris Summers, who has since become friends with me uh, through a mutual acquaintance, and we're both in business together. I mean, we are businessmen, not doing business together. He said, a text, uh, you're going to want to turn on public radio. I turned on public radio. I, they're doing a, a story about ride sharing. It was a representative from Uber, um, a reporter, and um, someone from the MTC, I think, and uh, but the representative from Harris Cab, and that's what got me, because I turned it on right as she started speaking. And she said, Uber needs to realize what you learned in kindergarten. You need to follow the rules. Just because you're a trendy company doesn't mean you can break the rules. That was the last straw. That really set me off, because they're not following their own rules, yet they're lecturing another company on how to follow the rules. So then I became, uh, I started a whole activist campaign, which is probably what brought me to you today. When it comes to the regulations, why do you think they why do you think they dropped the ball on trying to help you? Do you think it was just not in their interest to help you mm -hmm. or do you think perhaps they're perhaps they just they have more interest in helping the cab company? This is a clear-cut case of old-school corruption and protectionism. Um, you have the MTC operating like it's the 1950s versus the two, the 21st century. They uh, when you look at the now do taxis need to be regulated? Yes but they can't enforce their own rules. And so what you have is a system that is broken. Uh, they have lobbyists in Jefferson City that got the rules passed, so they have to have a minimum of, I forget, three or four um, taxi cab company owners on the Metro Taxi Commission. Four, okay, so they own the, ta that's like saying to a four-year-old, guard the cookie jar and don't let anybody eat them. When you come back, the cookies might be gone and you can't really get angry at the four-year-old. So the Metro Taxi Cab Commission is like a bunch of four-year-olds. They don't want anyone cutting into their profits. They cite um, California suing Uber, saying that Uber employees, or excuse me, Uber drivers are not independent contractors, should get benefits. And the Metro Taxi Commission is crowing about this in St. Louis, yet their drivers are independent contractors and do not get benefits. And they also keep them in a state of near poverty. I've interviewed taxi cab drivers. Um, so two great St. Louisans, Jack Dorsey and Jim McKelvey invented Square, the credit card payment processor. Again, another example of doing away with the old and moving forward in a new business model that disrupts the old way. Unfortunately for some of the taxi cab drivers, the taxi cab companies will not let them use Square. Square because when they use Square it only takes a little over 2% of the total fare and it makes an immediate deposit into the taxi cab driver's bank account. However, the taxi, this is what the taxi cab drivers say, the commissioners that own the taxi cab companies force them to use the old swipe credit card machine and prints out the big receipt and it takes 7% of the cab driver's revenue but they do it because they get kickbacks from the credit card processing companies. They send payments to the cab company or so they screw over their cab drivers but the cab driver, the taxi cab company owners are getting kickbacks. So this is, you know, a very long way of saying like, why didn't they help you? They did nothing. And then when I became very public and got into the media and started raising concern about it, then instead of doing the right thing and engaging with me, they continued to ignore me and started lying in, in the media about what happened to me. And it's just, it's incredulous. I can't believe how this just continues to go on.
when it comes, so you think when it comes to, you have companies now, we have Uber and Lyft, obviously there's no Lyft here. We mm -hmm. only have Uber Black Car, we don't have UberX, with, I think the largest metropolitan right. area in the country without UberX. Uh, they often point out usually that the cab, the, that Uber, that their insurance isn't good enough, that their background checks aren't good enough, mm -hmm. and that they, they don't, they don't protect, they don't protect their drivers. They're, Drivers might not get a good deal out of you know working for Uber. It's better with the with the traditional tax industry. <laughs> and I know, we know how you clearly feel about right. uh, about the insurance issue. But mm -hmm. but what do you think about the about um, sort of the background checked issue and, mm -hmm. and the drivers sort of uh, and you talked about drivers as well. But uh, do you think that uh, these are these are valid complaints, or do you think they're just using it to slow down new entries into the tax? Is there a statute about fingerprinting? Yes. Um, did Neil Bruntrager, the MTC attorney, say on TV that they could temporarily waive that requirement while Uber did their own background checks? Yes. If that is the case, why can you not waive it permanently? But going beyond that, Chief Dotson, I said publicly on another program well, with Neil Bruntrager, I said, Chief Dotson says Uber's background checks are acceptable to him. He said, no, they aren't. I said, check with the chief. Three days later, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch has a story, or maybe the Riverfront Times. Chief Dotson says Uber background checks are acceptable to him. He said he would put his family in an Uber X, no questions asked. Also interesting, um, I believe Fox 2 had a report the other day of a driver who passed the MTC background checks and uh, is a cab driver and stole the cab, hasn't returned it to the company, has threatened to cut off passengers' heads, and kind of lost his mind. Now. Would Uber have caught him? I don't know, but the point is, the Metro Taxi Commission keeps cherry-picking. They say, oh, look at this case in another state where an Uber driver did this, or look at over here in this country where someone did that. All around the world, and every single, there's bad bankers, there's bad accountants, there's bad cab drivers, there's probably a few bad Uber drivers, there's bad teachers, there's bad everybody. Are the vast majority safe? Yes. Is Uber background checks safe? Absolutely. Chief Dotson thinks they're okay, so I don't see an issue with it either. I'm not the, a police chief, so I'll take his word for it. With Uber and Lyft and, and these companies, uh, what do you think about sort of their innovative aspects? Do you think that they would be a good addition to the St. Louis area? Do you think, do you think that they're really going to displace the current cab industry? And, and what do you think would happen to those drivers? So um, you can't stop the future. Uh, horse and buggy companies went out of business as automobiles became more prominent. There's a saying that when cars started to become, uh, as they are getting invented, people started to realize how serious they were. And I can't remember who said it, but they said eventually horses are going to become luxury items and everyone's going to have a car, where in the past everyone had a horse and nobody had a car. Now we're moving into the 21st century and we have an issue of the old guard being scared of the new. Yes, it's going to displace cab drivers. Yes, it's going to affect their business. Have you been in a St. Louis cab lately? Everyone I know has been left waiting by a St. Louis cab and they say, oh, we have apps and you can hail a cab. Well, if they show up and sometimes you might get in a cab and have a great experience and everything's fine. But more often than not, you get a driver that sometimes doesn't speak English. His buddy let him, uh, he borrowed a cab from his buddy to make money for that day. It's a mess. And here's the other thing. We keep arguing in the media, or we keep seeing these debates in the media about regulations and the rules and how it should be done. But the key thing that I think we're missing is we are moving into the information age. The old way of doing things was centralized power, issued rules, everyone followed those rules. But now you don't, and you had to plan things out far in advance. This is the 21st century. Now, 
iterate, release it early, make mistakes, iterate often. What I mean by make mistakes, I'm talking in general business philosophy. You don't wait to ship software four years until it's perfect. You ship it, there might be some bugs, but you work those bugs out. On the safety side, everything's okay. But as far as Uber goes, are they perfect? No. But what I think should happen, if the MTC is really interested in making it fair for everybody, instead of forcing 21st century companies to conform to old regulations, new regulations should be performed. What I would think would be great is if the MTC passed a new rule that said, okay, Uber and Lyft, you're coming to town, which we know is already happening due to what we've seen play out in the media. Taxi cab companies, you need to develop your own app that allows people to rate their drivers, for the drivers to rate their passengers, basically what Uber and Lyft are already doing. Why force them to do things the old way because we're in the 21st century? Why not get the old guard to do the same thing? So if taxi cabs offer a valuable service that people want to use at a fair price, let the people decide. They vote with their thumbs. They get in the car on their smartphone, they take a cab ride, one star, five stars, and we'll know pretty quickly what people prefer. And unfortunately for the cab industry, their days are done. It's, it's just the way it is. And if going a step further, which it, it, may, it makes me laugh that we're having even this conversation now, in five years, taxi cab drivers are going to lose their jobs because smart cars are coming that drive themselves. You cannot stop this. It's happening. Fast food workers will be displaced by machines that do automatic ordering. So what do we do with these people? It's generally a low-skilled job um, that doesn't require a high level of education. So they need to be retrained. I think we need to, and I'm getting far afield, I realize, but you can't keep progress back to protect the lowest jobs. Now, do, do these people need, were they disadvantaged? Do, was it harder for them to get ahead? Maybe, but they should enter a job training program. Maybe they'll be working on those smart cars, or maybe, uh, I, I don't know, but they're gonna need to do something else because those jobs are disappearing. Truck driver jobs are going to be gone as well. They have the first self-driving uh, big rig already out in the road doing tests. So we're about five years away from everybody having a self-driving car. There's just, you can't stop the 21st century. It's coming and we need to adapt. You are an entrepreneur. You're a tech entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You are basically everything that the city government, the county government, the metropolitan area is looking to attract. Arch Grants was great. Yeah, it brought Arch a lot of great people here. Arch Grants, you're a recipient of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess the question would be, well, how do you think it makes St. Louis look? It, does it hurt the reputation at all that there's been such a public fight, there's been such intransigence towards yes. ride-sharing companies? Yes, it's embarrassing. It, so I have fallen in love with St. Louis. I've been here three years now. You take out all the hospital time. It's more like two years and four months, but <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, I love it here. And I love it because when I got here, I saw the startup culture uh, coming up. Since then, so much has happened, so many great things. But there are, um, and I also, my other business is putting on a conference every year called Startup Voodoo. We just had um, some great Silicon Valley speakers come to town outside of St. Louis. So I liked, I'm proud of myself that my partner and I in Startup Voodoo play a small part in showcasing not only Silicon Valley to St. Louis, who might not have met these people, but showing some of the people from Silicon Valley, hey, there's some cool stuff going on in St. Louis. And Robert Scoble was one of our speakers at the conference. He's a legendary journalist in Silicon Valley. He, uh, Rackspace pays him to go around the world and, and showcase really innovative stuff. He has said, in an interview I, I interviewed him, and 
Paul Graham, one of the best-known venture capitalists in Silicon Valley, has also said publicly they can tell how corrupt a city is, or how corrupt a city government is, whether or not they have Uber or ride-sharing. Because they know if they land on a plane and there's no ride-sharing, that there's a corrupt city government that refuses to let technology progress. So it makes us look backwards. Locker Dome is a great startup, uh, growing fast, doing incredible things. Office in New York, headquartered in St. Louis. Gabe Lozano is loyal to St. Louis. He raised all his money here as much as he could because he didn't want to have to move the company to Silicon Valley. He succeeded. So he's creating wealth and jobs and paying taxes in St. Louis. He had an employee, a potential employee, decide not to come work for Locker Dome because he'd have to move to St. Louis. And one of the things he mentioned, he just said, it seems kind of backwards and Gabe pressed him on it. But he goes, well, you don't even have Uber. Like, uh, just... It, it's you know and he so for him to say you don't even have Uber it's like saying you don't even have plumbing you know indoor plumbing it's it's just embarrassing and it makes us look really backwards so St Louis has a lot of great things going for it we're moving forward downtown occupancy is at, I think at ninety three percent now I live in the Cherokee district it's diverse I love it I love seeing all the creative energy but at the same time. We've got some of these politicians or political appointees that are just holding us down and dragging us back. And it's like, how long are we going to let these people ruin our city? I, I consider it my city now. I've been here long enough. And they're ruining it. They're keeping us back. Is ride-sharing the most important issue in St. Louis? No. Is it important? Yes. And it's also an example of bad governance. And we can't move forward as a city and be innovative and be a leader instead of St. Louis dragging its heels and being the last one to adopt something, St. Louis needs to start doing things first. We need to do something where people say, holy cow, look at St. Louis, they're doing this, and the rest of the country needs to follow. The entrepreneurs in this city, and there's a small group of us that are actively discussing a plan to try and drive this forward, we want to be a top 10 tech city in the US. And to do that, it's gonna take bold leadership, bold ideas, and not just kinda moseying along and hoping that we catch up with the rest of the world. The mayor, mm -hmm. Slay, um, the county executive, mm -hmm. many, many state officials mm -hmm. that I've talked to, they all see, uh, the, the public at large, the newspapers, they all seem to think that, that ride sharing is something that's coming to St. Louis, that needs to come to St. Louis, that would be beneficial to St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Yet, the, it's hard to find anybody outside of the Metropolitan Tax Cab Commission and the tax companies themselves that, that are opposing it still. So what do you think needs to happen for change? Do you think we're, we're almost there? Do you think that there needs to be another push or do you think there needs to be a state level reform for the tax? State level reform. Um, it's not, <sighs> politics is frustrating and fascinating all at the same time. I, I am uh, grateful that the mayor's office has engaged with me. I've sat down twice now in private with County Executive Stenger. I sat down with the Lieutenant Governor uh, in private. I talked to our former Secretary of State, uh, Mrs. Carnahan, uh, recently, and they all agree that Uber should be here, but then they clue me into the political realities and, well, if I do this, then this will happen. If I do this, this will happen. This frustrates me because I'm in business and I'm an Army veteran. In the Army, things get done when they need to get done. It isn't, well, what is, is, what's gonna happen if we do this? What are they gonna, it doesn't matter. Do it, get it done, it's the right thing to do. In officer training, they taught us the very first day, an officer does not tolerate those who lie, cheat, or steal. And that's because you can't inspire confidence in the people that follow you if they think you're lying, if you're cheating, if you're stealing, if you're not looking out for them. 
Now we have, in business, you do things the right way and the market will figure out pretty quick if you're not doing it. If you are a rotten CEO, the board of directors will yank you out and put someone else in their place. But for some reason, in politics, you can have people that are egregiously incompetent and bad at their job, that make racist statements in public, they can't enforce their own rules, and nothing happens. They just get to keep on doing it. So for St. Louis to be great and move forward as a region, I think the city and county need to come together. Um, I think that uh, the state, it, uh, Jefferson City, needs to do some reform of the MTC because there doesn't seem to be the willingness or maybe the political reality is that yanking a couple people out of their jobs would make things even harder because there's two goals that I see. One is getting ride sharing here because it's, it makes us just look silly that we don't have it. But two is reform. We need good governance. We need leaders that are bold and that don't like look over their shoulder and worry about which way the wind is blowing before they do the right thing. I would like to see the right thing and we can all agree the right thing is to reform that MTC board because it is ridiculous the way it's run right now. Well, I just have one more question, and sure. this might be this might be a little bit more off topic. Okay. But I, uh, you know, with with all this happening with the MTC, it's it's very public, it's very visible, and um, it's just one part of a very large, you know, uh, multi-level apparatus that we have for local and state and I guess even federal government here. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you know of any other examples? where the government structure is holding St. Louis back, maybe not in such a public way where mm -hmm. you can build such a coalition behind it. Are there any other parts of, of the city government that you see doing this sort of thing, but maybe behind it? Sure. Scenes? So I'm meeting now a lot of politicians. I'm seeing how the sausage is made. And they always say in politics, you don't want to see how the sausage is made. And frankly, it's disgusting. Um, I don't know. Now I know why. I want to be careful how I phrase this, uh, why many people I respect who I've talked to before and say, why don't you run for office? You'd be a great leader. And they go, because I want to get things done. And they don't want to get involved in the, the, the pettiness and the silliness of it. Do I see other areas where the government is holding us back? I am digging in now. I'm actually learning a lot. I'm going to be a lot more politically active, I think, as I go forward, because I see um, that the MTC is one example of probably a bigger problem. Now, I don't have specific examples to say this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, but I will say in a general sense that I have not seen the type of bold leadership that you want a leader to have a vision and a plan, not well, we're going to try and add some jobs and we're going to do things and well, maybe we can move this along. And I've seen this interconnected. So St. Louis is great because it's connected and you can meet people that will introduce you to people if they take you seriously. But the downside of that is it's very connected. So I have had politicians tell me in private to my face that they are afraid to publicly speak out against Lou Hamilton because the Cardinals and Budweiser use him as a lobbyist. And I will be shocked to see if, um, as an entrepreneur, I also have been introduced to Anheuser-Busch and the Cardinals organization. Uh, the Cardinals organization has been great for entrepreneurs. And had, actually, when I was in uh, the hospital, I got a day pass because Bill DeWitt had a bunch of entrepreneurs come to Bush Stadium. And I, I couldn't walk. I had a cane. I could only kind of hobble uh, a couple feet at a time, but they helped me to my seat. I've never been treated better, and I hate to say this because I'm from Chicago and a Cubs fan, but the Cardinals are a great organization. They, they are class act across the board. So we need, we need leaders that are not afraid of all their little political buddies and worrying about, well, I might lose 10 or 25K from this lobbying deal. Like, be a leader. Be bold. People like bold leaders. People like people with a vision and a plan and someone that's going to take them to the right place instead of saying, well, 
I mean, where where is that bold leadership? That's what I want to see. So that's what we need. So um, I don't know. I don't have a specific example, but I want to see leadership. I want to see real people get involved and, and not take the the easy way out and say this is the right thing to do and here's why and explain it. I will vote for somebody that does that, and I think other people would too. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, Ed. And for our listeners, we've written much more on this subject, and you can see it all at showmeinstitute.org. We also reached out to the Taxi Cab Commission, and we've posted their response in the notes.